This podcast was created on the unceded land of the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge their ancestors and elders past and present. Welcome to the RMIT Culture Podcast, produced in collaboration with the Bowen Street Press. This episode, hosted by Callie Boyman, investigates the waste issue in Melbourne and the ways in which some innovative companies are working to solve it. What Does Waste Mean to You was curated and produced in collaboration with the Knowledge Week team at City of Melbourne, the Victorian Circular Economy and the Circular Economy Hub at RMIT. I love fashion because it's so creative and you have so many people who have so many different aesthetics and different ways of using fashion. You know, people rent things, people, I'm a big like, will borrow out of my mum's wardrobes from the 80s. Like, there's so much diversity. And I think when we look at waste, we also should be expecting all of these solutions to be so creative and so diverse and meeting all of these complex expectations that we have. Particularly, obviously, I'm speaking from fashion and I'll probably stay in that sphere. But um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of emerging designers coming up um, and they've got a huge range of aesthetics. you know, we've got people who are definitely... Speaking of the capital for Melbourne Knowledge Week's What Does Waste Mean to You event, that was Julia English, a PhD candidate at RMIT University. Julia thinks the solutions to our waste problems in Melbourne actually need to be creative solutions. In this episode in our special series on Melbourne Knowledge Week, we'll explore how waste undercuts the fashion and design industries and unpack a few inspired ideas on what to do about it. We'll also look at some amazing Melbourne-based companies and programs to find out how they're doing their bit for the planet. But first, what exactly do we mean by waste issues in Melbourne? Let's hear from Julia's co-panellist, Zandi Powell, Manager of Partnerships and Networks for the Metropolitan Waste and Resource Recovery Group. Because in Melbourne, our, our waste is growing. Um, it's growing because our population is growing. Uh, currently, we're sitting around at 4.4 million people and generating about 8 million tonnes of waste, am I right, Melanie? Well, I do know is that by 2042, it's projected that if we stay on the population trajectory growth, and there's no reason to suggest otherwise, although COVID did put a dint in it, uh, but anticipated or estimated that waste volumes will grow by 63%. So, and that's and more waste that we'll need to manage and so that means 16.5 million tonnes of waste by 2042, and currently we're managing 8.8 million tonnes of, of waste. So that's a lot of waste. And, and added to that is that we've got landfills in the southeast that have been closing, or have closed, that's three landfills, so we're really reliant on two major landfills now in Melbourne. And, um, but we don't want the waste going there because it's a waste. <laughs> yeah, every time I look at the bin, if I'm putting something in the rubbish bin at home, I'm thinking, well, that's a failure either at our household level or in something that, I've, that we've bought. Because the idea is, is to get to negligible waste in the rubbish bin. To me, I think waste means poor design and bad choices that have been made along the way. What we are working on is a t-shirt brief and um, students have found um, unused or unwanted uh, t-shirts and they're working on different uh, techniques for remaking those into new garments to demonstrate ways that uh, fashion could be uh, remade. The fashion industry is responsible for large volumes of textile waste. 
but I think it's also really useful for people to think of themselves more as users of clothing or wearers of clothing and to think about the broader range of, of things that they can uh, possibly do beyond just purchasing something that's made out of recycled fabric or organic fibres. That was Dr Georgia McCorkle in a special short film produced by RMIT students for Melbourne Knowledge Week, aka MKW. She's a lecturer in the Bachelor of Fashion Design program in the School of Fashion and Textiles at RMIT. We spoke to Georgia further about the role the fashion industry has to play in reducing waste in Melbourne. Well, I suppose uh, specifically in regards to fashion and uh, textiles, it's probably quite similar to many countries or or cities in uh, that we have waste coming from a range of different sources, coming from consumers in what they um, discard and coming from industry as well, both in terms of what they receive from their production from overseas. So it's not as though everything is originating in um, in Melbourne, things are also being brought into Melbourne and then things are, um, yeah, some things then are being made in Melbourne and, um, yeah, so the, then waste is sort of occurring on both of that um, pre-consumer and post-consumer um, side of things. Georgia has been interested in the issue of waste since beginning her PhD in 2010. We asked her about how she teaches sustainable practices to her fashion students in the subject fashion design reuse. A typical fashion design process as a, a student might traditionally learn it would involve more of coming up with a concept making some patterns for that, um, making that in a garment form, buying fabrics and and sewing it up. And when you make with the item, the the things that are around you, the materials are that are around you, you change the design process. So you um, have to think about, well, this is what I have. This is what I've got access to. This is what I've sourced from various places or there's this particular waste stream that I know I've, I can access. And then what are the qualities of that thing? It's not a continuous roll of fabric. You can't just cut it into anything. You have to, it has limits. And and so you have to work within those. It might be limited in terms of colour or shape or um, the properties of what the material will actually do. So it's really about learning the design process from that point of view of working within those limits and appreciating that and seeing creative potential within that. And, And so that... I think really makes a sort of a shift in how we approach design and also we're doing that with first year students as well so it becomes a way that we start designing from the start of fashion design education as well as opposed to something that you might introduce later on and kind of retrofit to an existing design process it it is the the start of the design process and how you just learn it's just so ideally it becomes a kind of business as usual approach for emerging designers we live in a throwaway system and so as time progressed and modern society grew it was more valuable the way that you looked rather than the garments their quality and their longevity 
At times, the waste problem can feel overwhelming. Individuals can do their bit, but we need companies and corporates, those with a larger environmental footprint, to do their part also. And it's so encouraging to see how there are programs and companies coming up with creative solutions. Elk is a Melbourne-based family-owned label that supports ethical production and sustainable design, co-founded by husband and wife team Marnie Godding and Adam Coniaris. A major milestone for Elk in 2021 was joining 1% for the planet. We heard from Erica Martin, Elk's Head of Ethics and Sustainability. We asked her what Elk's philosophy on waste is and what unique steps they're taking to reduce their environmental impact. We have a very ambitious target of zero waste to landfill by 2025. So this is part of our broader aim to reduce our environmental footprint and to achieve net zero emissions. And it also aligns with our goal of eliminating single-use plastic from our business. And our zero waste commitment is strongly aligned with the personal values of Elks founders and owners, um, Marnie Godding and Adam Coniaris. And some of the actionable steps we're taking to combat waste uh, is in the first place we've audited all of our waste streams and where we didn't have a recycling solution set up we've implemented collection and recycling so now we're recycling paper and cardboard soft plastics batteries and e-waste is one that we set up a couple of years ago and we're even collecting used pens uh, and then when we've got a reasonable amount of those we take them down to office works and recycle them one of the things we did with our recycling systems as they were being developed was colour code them so that uh, each bin had a particular colour, whether it was for paper and cardboard or soft plastics um, or co-mingled or landfill. And that's made a huge difference, particularly in the warehouse environment where there are so many bins scattered throughout the space uh, at all the workstations. We're also redesigning our packaging to reduce waste that's generated in our own business, but also um, for our customers when they receive our products and, and unpackage them. And so we're removing uh, any unnecessary packaging components and we're reviewing all of the packaging and uh, designing for recyclability. A few of the other things we've done, we've installed hand dryers in our office and warehouse to eliminate paper towel waste. We're buying secondhand furniture for our office, warehouse and retail stores. We're encouraging our team to use reusable uh, coffee cups and lunch containers. And we have a policy that no elk product goes to landfill. So when we do have any dead stock, we donate that to charity. So it never goes to landfill. Elk strategies appear to be working. In 2021, the fashion label recycled 93% of their waste. So based on our 2021 data, we are recycling 93% of our waste, which I think um, is reasonably good. Um, I don't really have any figures on whether we've reduced the waste creation in the first place, but I think in some instances where we have removed a packaging item that may have been unnecessary, any example of that was... With our online business, we were originally sending our orders out in a carton and then a plastic satchel on the outside. We spoke to Australia Post and negotiated to be able to send just the box without the, the extra plastic satchel on the outside. 
which although that wasn't waste that we had to deal with was still waste that was being generated um, by our business. So yeah, so 93% of our waste is being recycled, such as in 2018, we purchased a cardboard perforating machine and we were using our used cartons, um, running them through the perforating machine and using that as wrap and void fill for our wholesale orders to replace plastic um, bubble wrap. We also started roll packing some of our apparel styles to reduce the amount of soft plastic required for the bag. So we were using a smaller bag for them, but we've had to stop doing that now because we found after trialing that the, that the garments were creasing. Uh, and there's a few changes that we've made to our packaging to make them easier to recycle. On our swing tags, they used to have a plastic pip on the cotton cord. Um, so we've removed that plastic pip and now the, the swing tags are just um, tied on with a, with a piece of cotton, which makes it easier to disassemble and, and recycle or compost. We've found all of the low-hanging fruit and implemented all the easy to, all the easier to implement um, initiatives. And now it's going to be harder work to close that last gap of 7% to find solutions for all of the remaining waste that's that's ending up in landfill because now we're starting to get into the, the problematic waste streams that don't have an easy solution. Erica also believes we can convince companies and consumers to reevaluate their approach to the waste issues in Melbourne and sustainability in general. I think we need to reframe waste and stop thinking about it as waste, but thinking about it as a resource that has that has value. You know, as more companies are looking at their carbon footprint, they will be able to quantify the impact of sending waste to landfill, um, the environmental impact of that. And then if they're offsetting, there'll be a cost to their business for the amount of waste that they're sending to landfill. So there might be a financial incentive to, to reduce that. And for businesses, there, there's, there often is an economic benefit to reducing waste, whether it's looking at things that are reusable rather than single use in the business. And then over time that can reduce costs, operational costs. Um, and if you're, if you're looking at your packaging and eliminating anything that is unnecessary or reducing the size or volume of your packaging, um, that can result in, in lower costs as well. Erica rightly points out that Melbourne is not alone in this issue. I think the waste issue in Melbourne is similar to that faced by other cities and other countries worldwide. And I think it's the balance of too much waste being created along with a lack of infrastructure for collecting and recycling a lot of the, um, the waste streams. You know, I think as a society we're producing too much waste. So what we need to do is to reduce the waste that we're creating in the first place um, and find ways to, to reuse or repurpose what we do create. Next, we spoke with Benji Swirsky, co-founder of Melbourne-based furniture brand Yona. His company aims to make moving house more simple and bed frames more sustainable by creating cardboard beds. In Melbourne, people, if they, if they have a good sustainable option and it's affordable, they, they'll go for it. But it, we're still not at the point where that is the easiest and the best option by a large margin so that everyone does it. We're still kind of on the cusp. 
And so the way Yona was born was that we saw me, me and my co-founders, we were living in share houses and something we saw in our areas was that every time people would move out, instead of really moving, they'd just dump all their stuff. And so it would kind of be a mixed blessing because everyone around would be like, oh, let's see if there's any good stuff, any good furniture, anything worth using. And we'd, we'd get in on that um, reuse kind of action um, and see what there was. But something that we saw a lot of was furniture. And it's the sort of thing that it's too hard to move. And so people, it's not necessarily that they don't care about care about sustainability and not producing waste. It's that the easiest option is often the worst for sustainability. I think Melbourne's better than most of Australia in terms of that awareness and that effort, but we've still got a long way to go. It helps that Yona's core purpose is creating a product that's over 70% recyclable and reusable. We asked Benji what other things they do at Yona to be as sustainable as possible. I think one of the things that we we do and we're really helped by uh, people on social media is that in the eco space, it's, it's something that if you're not perfect, it's still a place where people will still call you out. Which, which is on the one hand a bit, a bit nasty because you want to be as good as you can and you're doing your best and then people are like, oh, no, you're not actually doing it. And they, they see it as, as trying to help you along your journey of being sustainable. But as a company, we're really kept on our toes by that. And I think that's a really healthy thing for a company, maybe not individuals, but as a company, we're kept on our toes by the community. And if... Like a recent example, someone asked if we had formaldehyde in our cardboard. And it's something that is used in some countries to preserve the cardboard. We were told by our manufacturer that it is eco-friendly in a general sense. But then when we were asked the question specifically, we dug down and we found that we had all these green certifications and it didn't have formaldehyde and didn't have other chemicals and it made sure that it had less than so many parts per million of lead and cadmium and all that sort of stuff. So in essence, we, we really try and foster that space for the community to, to question us and to, and to push us to be better. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of companies are probably quite scared of because if, if you don't have the right answer, it can be pretty scary. And the best you can say is, yeah, we're working on it and we'll work in the future. But I think that that, like making that space for people to, push you to be better is, is really important. So, Yona is based in Melbourne and distributes all around Australia? So, yeah, we, we manufacture in Melbourne and up, out in Point Cook, and it makes it really, really easy to to communicate, order, iterate, um, make, make fine changes, yeah. It's also been a real blessing in the whole supply chain issues recently. So not, not only are we proud to say we're... Australian based and fully Australian made um, and we can ensure ethical standards throughout but we we don't have those problems that come with shipping overseas so we've had customers come in and say they ordered our bed as a meantime solution because their bed from conventional stores weren't coming for six months and um, they've ended up keeping it because it, it works and they've forgotten that it's it's it was a temporary solution yeah yeah 
Consumers seem to be responding well to companies like Yona, who are making an effort to reduce their impact on the environment and are transparent about their practices in this area. For us, what the key focus is offsetting um, the alternative options. So if someone's getting a flat pack solid bed and they intend to keep it for two years or four years while they're studying here and then they're going to get rid of it and it's not going to go to anyone, that's what we're offsetting. So I think that is where we're setting the bar at the moment, at least. And we, at least in these, this first year of us uh, running, we I think we've we successfully do that with the product. So the product is what guides us in that sense. I think that what's guided us through it has been been the demand for it. There are people who want who they they can see their own personal impact, and they want to offset that. So that's what's helped us like actually be in existence. While it's great to learn about what we can do as individuals, there's only so much impact we can have on a personal level. The biggest changes need to come from larger companies and corporates who know that reducing waste should be high on their priority lists. Because as much as this issue is affecting our present, its potential repercussions on our future are even more alarming. But it's not all doom and gloom. There is hope, and as Georgia, Erica and Benji have shown us, there are companies willing to address the waste issue here in Melbourne, forging the path for others to do the same. You've been listening to the RMIT Culture Podcast. We'd like to thank our guests Julia English, Sandy Powell, William Sullivan, Dr Georgia McCorkill, Benjamin Swirsky and Erica Martin. Our production team, Carly Godden, Callie Boyman, Joel Humphreys, Mia Purvis and Michelle Swirsky. For more episodes, subscribe to RMIT Culture wherever you get your podcasts.